0: Hey, happy Thursday morning. It's the Tropical MBA Podcast. I'm here with the CEO, the man who puts the check into the Czech Republic. Welcome to the program, good sir. we got a lot to talk about
1: Yes, today. we do. Not so tropical this week. Dan, coming to you from Prague, where we attended MicroConf 2013.
0: That's right, and we were privileged, privileged enough to have given a, a talk. It was our first public speaking engagement, I'd say. That was not a home field thing. Right. So that's pretty cool. Um, we have a format of our talk At this very episode, it's slash prog, tropicalmba.com slash prog, and you can kind of see if you have to make a speech someday, you maybe can follow along. Uh, It would have been helpful for me if I would have had that before I wrote the talk, so maybe that's useful. Absolutely. Speaking of speakers, uh, most of the speakers at the event were much better than me and you, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We've got a boatload of takeaways. Ian was just pecking away at the Evernote all weekend long and we took the top lessons that we learned at the conference from some of the most outstanding bootstrapped software developers one of the things about what mike and rob are doing and big shout to mike and rob at yes thank you so much for having us it was wonderful and they share our values in this sense it's all about your own owning your own company doing your own thing slow and steady wins the race it's not Let's swing for the fences and get an investor that's gonna push us around and try to get rich. It's like, this isn't, it's like we're the new artisans of the internet rather than, we're not the guys that would like go down to Goldman Sachs and try to like trade our way
1: to $10 million. No, if there's one thing that I think is true about our audience and the MicroConf audience is that we're all kind of bootstrappers, right? We're very much the bootstrapper small business entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, so why don't we just jump into our five biggest takeaways?
1: Dan, really exciting, something that we haven't been able to talk about yet on the podcast, but something that we actually launched a couple of days before MicroConf. We knew that we were coming, so we thought, hey, we better develop this SaaS app. So our our landing page is finally up. We're accepting beta testers. Actually, we should probably set up an account for podcast listeners so they can help us out, maybe give us some feedback. If you're interested in checking it out, our new app is called Valet Up.
0: Please give a round of applause for finally mentioning the US. Yes. Sorry about that.
1: All right. <laughs> Check out Valley Up. Let us know how we're doing on our sales page. And uh, yeah, let's set up some uh, dummy accounts so you guys can play around if you're interested. Cool. You're not a dummy, but the account's a
0: dummy. That's bad <laughs> branding, man. All right. Number one, Patrick McKenzie, Patio11, the famous... Uh, Patio11 from Hacker News. I've been reading Patrick's blog for... I think if you go back and like look at the comments on his blog, I've probably been there plenty of times. And it was cool to meet him in person. Patrick, bright, super hilarious, super helpful.
1: Absolutely, man. This guy is on fire. I mean, if I, I, I actually went back and watched some of his videos online. He's got some really great videos.
0: We're going to link to the 2010 Business of Software talk where he tore down the house. Rumor has it that... The speech was so good. They had to shut down the format of the talk. It was just like nobody can compete with this. So we'll we'll link to that. Um, Patrick had tons of takeaways in his talk, but I want to talk about one thing that really resonates with me about what he does. Back in the day when I was reading his blog, and we'll link to all this stuff, slash prog, if you want to check this out. um, Patrick... Used to write about his bingo card creator software, and he used to talk to all these guys. And this is again the, the dichotomy between the the different communities, like the venture guys and the right. guys who are like, "I'm gonna change the world." Like, you know, that's cool. I don't want to I don't want to Say the bad accent.
1: Though. Yeah, I I say I want to change the world quite often. I'm all about
0: changing the world, but changing the world and like getting 10 million dollars of funding are not the same thing. I hate okay. to break it to everybody. Okay, so all right patrick was reporting his income and he was saying you know i made sixty thousand dollars this year and he was like you know famous on the internet and people were bashing him you know about like oh you should be making more money and stuff and i just i love patrick's style how he's a craftsman he's an artisan he just chilled he played long ball he played long ball he hung out and he focused on his craft and that's why everybody kept coming back to his blog because it doesn't matter if you make sixty thousand dollars a year his technique is amazing and we're learning from it he's providing value and of course he's blowing he's, he's, he's killing it now but on his own terms he didn't go out there like what everybody was suggesting like cut some deals and do right. this and get some investment and all this now slow and steady focus on that entrepreneurial skill set And man, it was just inspiring to see his story.
1: Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, Patrick, he has so many great ideas about business and so many great ideas about software and SaaS and all this stuff. And he's a consultant and he gets paid a lot from that when he does it. I think now he's quit, but he's got a cute little product. It's called Bingo Card Creator. And the lessons that he's able to pull out of this small little company are just amazing. And they apply to so many different people. And I think that's what you're saying here is like, you know, Patrick is just focused on Bingo Card Creator. And so many people said, hey, Patrick, you can you can reach for the guy, man, do something sexy. And Patrick's like, no, man, uh, small bootstrapped entrepreneurs don't do sexy things. They do things like the bingo card creator. And I'm living proof of that. And I'm going to keep perpetuating this truth.
0: Well, and he told the story about how he started the appointment reminder business now, which is, I don't know how well that's doing, but the cool thing is that he uses these businesses as like experiments and petri dishes, and and he he tells lessons directly from that. And some of the lessons were, (laughs) why don't we just get into the takeaways here? Sure. So we're totally just
1: having a man crush session. It's sort (laughs) of disgusting. So like you said, Dana, uh, I was taking notes uh, as fast as I could because a lot of the stuff that these guys were talking about applies to Valet Up. So one of the cool things that I thought Patrick's did, and uh, I, I might be paraphrasing some of your things here, Patrick, but basically one of the things that I thought were cool was the way that he treats his trial periods. And uh, he tracks all of his customers in the trial period. And obviously the advantage of a trial period is you don't have to ask for money right away. You give them a little bit of time to try out your product. And so the way that Patrick treats people and tracks people is interesting. So there's three scenarios that happen when somebody's in a trial and this is what Patrick does. If it looks like you're using, and you need more time, Patrick offers to extend your trial for you. And I thought this was really smart because there's very little risk. If you already gave him 15 free days, why not give him 15 more free days? Uh, if it looks like you haven't used, Patrick will contact you and ask why you haven't used. So this is uh, a common thing that you're gonna hear all these presenters that we're gonna go down through is uh, their, their high touch relationships during these trial periods. It's like very high friction and a lot of it doesn't scale. And third and final, uh, you're kind of using, and he asks them, what can we do to improve your user experience? I'd like to
0: be clear, though, that they do scale once you figure out the algorithm, right? Yeah. So yeah. you can you can go into your trial users list, and you have to make a heuristic to parse the list. Yes. And then once you decide what what's working, then you can write, Write a script or whatever to get it
1: done. So essentially, right. So if you set, I, I I'll just write was. a script and get it done. Right. <laughs> so Patrick, an appointment uh, reminder. He'll say, Oh, if you've used four times, uh, I use this heuristic. Uh, they're they're not quite a power user, but they're a user. If you've used ten times, that means that you're really committed to the software, and so on.
0: Yeah, one, one takeaway that I really liked is how he offers an annual plan to his best customers. So he'll come in uh, and look at the usability using stats. So I don't even know these software terms. I'm, look, I'm in, way in over my head, but I love it. <laughs> but, you know, you go in after two or three months, these guys are using the app. They're, they're a high volume user. And you say, look, I want to reward your loyalty Uh, here's an offer for you. And that's a great way to get cash in advance. Put some oxygen into your business. Finally, one of the things Patrick really ran home, and it's worth just repeating because Patrick was so honest. He said even he didn't follow this advice and like nobody in the room follows this advice and we don't follow this advice, but here's the advice. The number one way to increase the profitability of your business. It's so obvious. That's why it's hard. Raise your price. Raise your price. I mean, how many arguments can we make about this? I, I think
1: know. he said something like, come up with a number that you should be charging and then charge at least double.
0: That's a great point, actually. His, his idea was, if you imagine it, right, sort of that's at least double whatever sort of cemented in your head.
1: And so, of course, me, I imagined like a lower number than I was imagining before. So I could just <laughs> get to that number that I wanted to charge. So.
0: You're con even yourself. Yes. You're shameless. All right, number two, Rob Walling, Mike Tabor, And we'll sprinkle in a little sherry walling just so you know she uh it was really cool that rob's wife came to the conference as well and she's a phd psychologist yes and she gave a talk
1: about balance and anxiety went completely over my head which we have nothing we know nothing about obviously <laughs> I've been working since eight in the morning and now it's 10:30 at night yeah but yeah she talked about some of the effects of anxiety and what we put ourselves through and kind of why we put ourselves through it so you sat there and you started to think man I'm really neglecting my business partner right now yeah how should I send him a fruit basket yeah
0: absolutely (laughs) what
1: should i do uh but i think sherry's uh sherry's points i think really hit home for a lot of people it just made them realize you know some people told some really touching stories during the comments of her talk it just made us realize or made me realize hey there's there's a lot more to life than just your startup so you got to stay balanced
0: right there's the other startup right (laughs) all right so rob walling is a boss and i'm going to deconstruct why rob walling is a boss He kicked off the conference with a master class in how to give a good talk. He told a concrete story of a success that he had. He laid out the numbers. He laid out the timeline of how it all went down. He helped you to visualize that story. Then he loops back and he overlaid principles on top of that story. And I'll just tell you one. So he's kind of, he's showing you the narrative And then he puts the skeleton of principles on top of it and shows you how that narrative is just a representation of bigger principles in the world.
1: So this is how it worked, if I can, Dan. He had a graph. And it basically showed his revenue through the months. Yeah. And then he segmented it into three different sections. It was called building, learning, scaling. Right. And I think this is really interesting because it helps you to identify what stage you're in. So he went back and he said, okay, this is the history of my business. I can look at this graph and I can say, okay, here I was building, here I was learning, and here I was scaling.
0: Yeah, and there's some interesting takeaways. Like One of the things I thought was really cool was confusing the learning with the scaling stage. Like It's really important to know whether or not you're in the learning stage and whether it has potential to get to a scale stage because one of the questions I asked Robin, I said, man, there's just so much meat in there. Uh, how do you know if you're learning or if you have a, a donkey on your hands, to quote the Justin Cook? The donkey word is awesome. It's, drop, it's a donk. How, how do you know that it is is going to get to the scale stage? I think that's really interesting. And then, now that we're talking about how to give a speech here. Later on... <laughs> Someone in the audience raises their hand and asks Rob a question utilizing the new language he had created in the talk. And it was like it wrapped the whole thing together. He had taken one of his something that happened to him in his life, created a principle about it, and then handed it to others to use as a tool. And that's why Rob Walling is a boss.
1: Rob Walling is a boss because he gives you a framework for which you can think about things.
0: Uh, A couple other quick takeaways from Rob Walling. I think it's a nice bullet point, uh, just something to keep in your mind, that he thinks that customer acquisition costs, he he can spend up to 33% of the lifetime value of a customer. That's, That's higher right. than we're used to spending. So. Yeah,
1: I think it is. And I don't know if this applies specifically to SaaS. I've, I've kind of yeah. heard this idea before. But yeah, one-third the value or your acquisition cost should be one-third the value, the lifetime value of your customer.
0: Rob Walling is a hatchet man when it comes to sign-up and payment forms. I think this is very interesting. He's like, look, you don't need to know anything about your customer except their credit card number and their email address. <laughs> it's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, and another thing that he highlighted was this uh, basically uh, concierge onboarding. And this is something that we're doing with valet up actually so basically what it is, is is again it's another high friction process so what we're doing with valet up is we're going in we're preloading our customers name and information into our app we're uploading their logo so when the, by the time they open the app they see it they say hey that's my company's logo that's pretty cool
0: the amateur says I that doesn't scale that doesn't scale right. you know what Rob Walling says he's not talking to you he's onboarding his customers because he's <laughs> a
1: boss um, uh, but so this customer concierge service is pretty cool because it, it lowers the friction, right? Uh, some of these software products, it's it gets complicated. Sometimes you do have to get a lot of information from someone to get them up and running in your sure. system just by nature. So if you can do that for them and all they have to do is just log in, I mean, that's a huge barrier right there.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if it's not worth doing at the beginning of your business, I mean, what are you doing? That's a, I understand. Like I guess what Rob's saying is like a lot of people at that point in time might focus on their marketing funnel where I think we're more used to this like hands-on approach was like, we're just going to call up these people and dump their info into the system and say, let's get going here. Do I have to do, do do we have to do it over Skype together? I mean, let's do
1: it. And one last thing, and I don't know if this slipped by you, but I, I barely caught this and maybe I'm just making this up. I don't know at this point, it's been two days since the conference been over, but, uh, uh, Rob had a new page that he showed, and it was basically an affiliate page, but he was calling it a perks page. Yeah, And I thought this was really interesting because it kind of flips the script, right? So it's not an affiliate's like, I'm making money off you. You download this. A perks page is like, we both kind of make money off this.
0: So, well, so here's what it is. It's like if, if you logged into the Dynamite Circle, our forum, and we had a thing there that said tools for entrepreneurs. Right. And that's basically what Rob's saying is like, how can you get featured in something like that?
1: It's pretty cool. Yeah. I I thought it was clever. It's it's no longer called like the affiliate page. It's like the tools page, the perks page. Well,
0: because then you get like a 20% discount to Rob's stuff or whatever. And that's like this great thing because you're a member of the thing and that's baller. And the other thing you mentioned is, you know, how you can get involved in, I don't know if it was Rob who said this, but get involved in partnerships, right? So this is like, if you, it's like integration marketing which is something that software guys do. Like you put your stuff up in the WordPress directory, you put your stuff up in, uh, you know, Microsoft directory and all that kind of stuff. So not to forget single founder, Mike Tabor. Mike Tabor,
1: wow. Yeah, he's got an awesome new product coming out. Yeah. We, uh, he actually, Mike Tabor was uh, gracious enough to come to our DCX event. Made us look the day awesome. after, yeah. Made Mike Tabor cool. came to our DCX event, which was on Monday. 16 DCers, uh, some were w- who were at MicroComp, others that flew in just for the day. And yeah. We did business breakdowns. Anyways, Mike talked Big about Big shout out
0: to you guys, by the way. That was, had a, Monday was the highlight of my, it was absolutely wonderful day. Awesome.
1: But Mike talked about Audit Shark, his new product. And I I got a lot of really cool information from Mike and some good tips too. Uh, One thing that Mike said that he does is he asks his customers what solution they've tried before they've used yours. And I thought this was really clever because you can get some information from your customers. Hey, I tried this product before. I'm using yours. It's lacking this.
0: Yeah. And one point Mike really drove home in his talk was don't tell people how hard you're working for them. I just thought... Yeah. You got to show them. This is really good. So many people, when you're dealing with a a, a company, they like, put it back on you. And I I understand that because you are working really hard and you're frustrated and customers are just telling you what to do. This has got to be in your strategic operating document that you do not
1: ever transfer the emotional burden back to your customer.
0: They're paying you money.
1: Right. This is written in our uh, customer service Document Dan, we do not project our problems onto our customer. If we have a long Heaven lead time forbid. right now, it's not their problem.
0: Right. All right. Number three, not a speaker, but a guy we ran into by the name of Nathan Barry. Uh, it was really cool to meet Nathan because I had listened to him on a bunch of podcasts. I think I heard him on Pat Flynn's podcast and, and maybe one other. And I thought his story was awesome. He makes eBooks for app developers, and now he's doing other stuff and uh, teaching them how to design better apps. And he's just so sharp, he's so on it, but he's got some really good insights onto his case setting. And basically the idea is this, more revenue from less customers. So Nathan Berry writes an ebook. Um, He gets a bunch of people to opt in and he releases the ebook. Now, most people would say, you know, you wanna have a price tier for an ebook? Not really, I'll just sell it for $30. Nathan Berry puts a price tier. So the lowest price tier is like 30, 40 bucks. And then he ups it, and he has another price tier like with videos and stuff for like a hundred something. And then,
1: and then with an ebook, yes. And yeah, then that's what I was gonna say. I was like, just when you thought eBooks and selling information was dead, along came Nathan Barry. Yes, and the
0: breakdown of how much of the percentage of revenue went to the top, uh, the top product was like two hundred fifty dollars was so cool to see. It's just like this revelation. And here's the principle. Uh, the principle to me is give your best customers a way to fund your business. Because if you have like mega fans and you just put out an ebook and it's just 20 or $30, what about all the people that really want to pay you back? Let Give them a way to express themselves. Nathan Barry did that with the $250 price point on an ebook and it crushed it uh, the the breakdown is if you would have done it with just the $30 ebook versus the 200 it's absolutely brilliant right anyway we'll link over to all that stuff you can check it out brilliant stuff I all feel right. like we're
1: just tripping over our tongue here man. yeah we <laughs> just can't we
0: just can't oh. I'm still processing all this I stuff know, all right too. speaking of processing uh Adi founder of woo themes this guy
1: sharp Very sharp, very sharp. I think uh, he's he's got a new venture. I think it's called Public Beta. Yeah, and uh, it's in the beginning phases. It's on Hacker
0: News today, but he put up his talk on Hacker News today, and it was trending. And the first first comment was some guy tearing him down saying that you I hope your business fails. That's That's what he said. And the reason he said it,
1: I had drinks with that guy.
0: Basically what he did is he told the story of validating a product by selling a product that did not yet exist. So he told a white lie in order to fund the product. This to me was an incredibly fascinating story to hear. Uh, Adi had the audacity to do things that others didn't. Yeah, I think that's part of it.
1: This is one of the things that we did, and we've talked about in our business. Dan is uh, our first product. We put it for sale. We took money, and we didn't have the product, so we had yeah. to return we didn't it to people's take the people's money. Uh, yeah, well, you take the credit card. That would have been really bad. That's how you know people are serious, and that's yeah. that's his point too. Is you have to take the credit card to know people are serious. And then he give it right back. And then he went as far as to tell them the actual truth of what had happened. He was trying to validate his idea.
0: He angered a couple people, but you know what? He's in business and it's funded. And I think it's a really cool story and you can check it out all on his blog, which we'll link to. Uh, you know, Adi really stressed this idea, the only validation is money or credit cards. He talked about this idea of, you know, the classic landing page where it's like, I'm launching in 25 days, sign up. And he told this great story of how he got thousands of email addresses and it just flat bombed. The only validation. Everything else is a vanity metric. Right. So if 20,000 people sign up saying they're interested in your app, there's just people that are doing that because they're interested in your app. It does not mean that they want to be your customer. And that was very interesting. Another thing that he said that I thought was brilliant was feedback in customer development from people who've already paid you money is worth 10x from of feedback from people who haven't paid you money. Right. And he had a whole lot of stories to back this up. Um, But it makes a lot of intuitive sense to me. These are people that have skin in the game. People that don't have skin in the game, they'll talk your ear off all day long about everything.
1: And finally, one thing that was a little bit refreshing to hear from him, uh, and he said this, he said, everybody thinks that entrepreneurs have this high risk tolerance. And actually, he's not one of these guys. He said, hey, I've got a family uh, you know, I want to start the second startup. I need to do it smart. I need yeah. to do it so it doesn't spend me a lot of money. Um, he, he told a failure story of where it did, he did spend a lot of money. So he said, look, for this one, I need to do it smart. He spent $1,500 to get this thing off the ground. And you
0: know what I love about it is that this isn't some guy who is just off the street. This is Adi from Woo Themes. I don't even need to tell you about what that means. And so here's a guy who even after that kind of success still wants to keep it tight, still wants to keep it his, still wants to keep it bootstrapped, does not want to go to Silicon Valley. I think that's really cool.
1: It's interesting, man, because I think uh, what happens, and we've been victims of this, you start one business and then you think, for some reason, the process of starting the the second business is different and you just throw a bunch of money at it. You're like, wait, (laughs) that wasn't how my first business was successful. My first business was successful because I was Dirty and gritty, and I was hands on, and yeah. I like approached all these people and I called them, and uh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, if you could get
0: a business from writing checks, well,
1: then everybody would have a business. Yeah. Right? It doesn't work that way.
0: All right, the next speaker was a guy named Peldy from uh, Balsamic, and just
1: Who? a little company called Balsamic. Just a
0: little company you might have heard of it. I've used this software years ago, yeah. and uh, you know I wasn't familiar with the cult of Peldy, uh, but my best friend was. I said. You know, I'm going to this uh, talk. So my best friend and me are hanging out in Saigon, and I said, "You know, Josh, I'm going to this uh, talk in uh, Prague, and uh, the guy, this founded Basam is going to be there, and, and you know, Ian's going to be there. A couple other people, like, Peldy, Peldy, you, you're, you're, you're Peldy's going to be there. And he freaked out, and so, uh, so you got a picture with him and Peldy in the sticker. That was it's awesome. like a fan picture right. of me. It was, it was totally fun, but." When I met Peldi, I kind of got it. I got why people are attracted to him. He's done some incredible things, but he has this authenticity. And that drives him to do some pretty innovative things with his business. And that's kind of what his talk was about.
1: Yeah, and he talked about some of the different tools that he uses in his business. I think he has like 14 employees. And it was really cool because he just... Straight up listed all the tools that he used. I just thought, wow, man. Number one, that's a lot of tools. That's a lot of tools. (laughs) And and number two. We're like Skype, Chrome. (laughs) (laughs) And number two, uh, it seems like you got a really fun culture and you got a really fun business. Uh, One of the things that I admire about him that we're trying to do, he wrote an employee handbook. And I think that that's one of the things that we've been talking about for the past year that we should really get on.
0: He keeps a flat organization even though he's got... I think he has 16 people now.
1: Is that true? I'm, 14, I think I read down.
0: Some, Somewhere around there. Something like that. Um, he manages to do all this, but keep it real. That's something that all of these guys have in common. Remember when I was waxing about Patrick at the beginning, and then we were just talking about Adi, about not going to Silicon Valley? Right. These guys are keeping it real. They're not changing who they are because all of a sudden you're making millions and you have 16 people and you're... Right. You're this baller guy who people, and I love that. Like, you can tell that these guys love their work and that that's why they're successful. And when they got successful, nothing changed about them loving their work. Yeah. And so that enthusiasm that he has forces him to innovate. He doesn't want to be the pointy haired manager, he wants to be the guy who inspires people, keeps a flat organization. I thought that was really inspiring.
1: Really good, and, and just one technical takeaway that I thought was cool is uh, in all these tools, and you probably listed 50 of these tools, not one of them is free, and I thought that was cool. So Peldi does not buy free tools, and I've heard this from other companies as well, is they don't use free tools because you never know when that tool's gonna disappear. They're scared, yeah, right? And so it makes a lot of sense. So if you're working on a tool and it's free, Peldi's not gonna buy it from you. Yeah, <laughs> another thing I learned
0: uh, from Peldi is how to, how to give a great talk. And he had a lot of great insights. You know, he keeps it fun as he's growing. You know, he spent a lot of time going around speaking, he spends a lot of time working on technical problems that are interesting him. That's inspiring to me because there is this concern as you scale your team and you scale your business that it's gonna get less fun. Pelda gives me hope, man.
1: That's awesome. <laughs>
0: I know it's good. We could keep it real, man.
1: <laughs> All right, Dan, there were a couple other great speakers at MicroConf, but let's just jump right into what we think makes a great talk and uh, how we cut our teeth here at MicroConf 2013. Was this
0: the first time you've ever spoken live?
1: Uh, no, but out of house, right? So we didn't have home field advantage this time. Right. <laughs> we were, we we're in somebody else's arena. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's one thing to speak in front of DCers, it's another thing to just walk into a conference room and give a talk and yes. a lot of people are terrified of public speaking and I'm no exception right. to that. So we gave a talk called how to write the operating system of your business. So we were speaking to engineers and we thought they're good at writing the operating system of their product or, or the program. But the question is, is, what about the program of your enterprise? Right. And uh, so I would just like to lay out like the format of the talk that we did, and then maybe people could plug in their ideas if they ever wanted to give a talk.
1: Sure, and I think the reason format's important, Dana. I know the first uh, talk that I gave to DC, like it took me two weeks, and I like wrote it out, and I didn't do the smart thing, which is go to YouTube and type in what makes a great talk, <laughs> how do you make a great TED talk, you know, things like this. And so that's uh, we did that this time. Right? I
0: did, and these are from not only from our talk, but from notes I took from my favorite talks at MicroConf ones that we just mentioned. So here's the format and we'll post this at tropicalmba.com slash And
1: I don't think that you have to be in front of 150 people to make this work. You can just be presenting in front of your family, right? Yeah. Like this is a good way to structure an argument. This is a good way to structure an idea that you're going to present to anybody.
0: That lasts for 35 minutes and requires slide <laughs> support. All right, number one, what we are going to talk about plus the benefits. And this this is like the intro. You lay out here are the benefits of what we're about to tell you. This is a, gonna be exciting. Very short. Don't don't chew on the hay here. This right. is something you want to get out of the but way.
1: Set it up for me.
0: Then you wanna step back and say, wait a second though, here's who I am and here's why you should listen
1: to me. Need a little social proof. Then
0: you want, before you get into the meat and potatoes, you wanna say, here are the specific takeaways that you're gonna get so people can start to They know what to listen for throughout the rest of the talk.
1: That's right. When you leave this room, you're going to have some action items.
0: Next, the problem. You have to lay out the problem in a way that is articulated in such a way that they understand it. So in other words, you want to like reach out to them and say, here is how I was feeling. Let's talk about email. I was stressed because I was getting so much email. Are you getting a lot of email? Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. So basically what you do is you frame up the problem in such a way that you can kind of get on the same page.
1: What's up, Dan? I think our hero is uh, trotting into the conference room. He's called Mr. Solution. And that's where
0: you, (laughs) we are just cheese town, buddy. Uh, Yeah, so that's when then you say, look, I had this problem. You understand this problem, of course. Here was the solution that we implemented.
1: And then something that we added into the mix, we did a little back and forth. So we said, this is what it looked like before we solved the problem. This is what it looked like after we solved the problem. Right. This is
0: the ping pong match between the ugly former reality and the new dream vision that you have implemented into your business and life.
1: But not everything is peaches and cream, Dan. Then you have to lay out some of the common mistakes that come with implementation and the solution and how you're going to avoid them. That's right. Because
0: at that point in the speech, the audience is so high... On the ideas that you've given they're practically floating out of their chairs if you're doing this if you're rob walling they're floating out of their chairs and you have to say wait a second wait a hot second you can't run out of the room and just do this there's some things you need to look out for and finally you want to let people know how they can act now like all right brah i get what you're saying what would be the next step and you might could like lay out some stuff for them yes. at that point and also I think you should pepper in as many jokes as possible absolutely yeah <laughs> <laughs> alright man well uh, it's been another great Thursday it's so great to be back in the room with you when are you heading back to Saigon actually?
1: Uh, Sunday so next episode we will be on Skypey Skype and then after that Geez, Bangkok is coming up. We'll be
0: in Bangkok, so hopefully we can line up some DCers. All right, well, thank you for joining us on the Tropical MBA podcast. You can see all the links to all the crazy stuff we talked about, plus the actionable format of the speech and all the blog posts and Twitter handles of all the speakers at Microcomp. Thank you again, Mike and Rob and Dan Taylor, for throwing an incredible incredible weekend and for inviting us to talk. This is tropicalmba.com slash prog. This is the tropical MBA podcast, and we will see you next Thursday morning. Hey, thanks for listening to the tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.